Welcome to The Local. I'm your host, Mark Horner, founder of Fairhaven Wealth Management here in Wheaton, Illinois. So what is wealth management? Well, it's a lot more than just stocks and bonds. It's about taking care of your family, your career, and your community, and maybe even having a little fun along the way. That's what wealth management is all about. Welcome to another edition of The Local. I'm Mark Horner, your host, and with me is Vicki Austin, my lovely co-host. Vicki, nice to see you. Always happy to be here, Mark, at Green Tree Studios. It is a pleasure to be here. And with us today is Dr. Jeff Schuler, Superintendent of District 200. And I just want to start off by saying, I don't know if you think about or if schools are thought about in terms of assets and liabilities, but being a financial, the financial advisor that I am, I can't help but sometimes think about it in those terms. But from my perspective, as a, a parent of four kids uh, that have consumed the product that the, that the schools are producing, I think you're in charge of one of the biggest assets and best assets of Whedon. So I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I appreciate you describing the school district that way because I think of it uh, in the same way in the fabric of a community. I think a school system is absolutely vital assets. So thank you for sharing that. So I'm not a nerd geek for thinking or no, financial, financial geek for all. thinking that way. In yeah. fact, when all. we moved here, it was the quality of the schools that um, had us choose Wheaton as well. And that was 1994. So superintendent, does that, do you, does that require frontline experience? Or, or I guess maybe what was your path uh, to, to the role of superintendent? Yeah. So um, doesn't require it. I think often that's the case. So uh, yes, I was a teacher right out of out of college. So um, as I uh, I came, I went to Indiana University, came up and uh, landed my first teaching job in suburban Chicago. was uh, was up in the Buffalo Grove uh, area. So spent some time uh, in the classroom, middle school teacher, and then became a middle school principal and. Uh, moved uh, from there up into a, a district level position and uh, eventually became superintendent. So do you ever uh, pine for the days of the classroom and put away all the managerial responsibilities of the organization? Uh, I, I, I do. I mean, I, I absolutely loved my time uh, in the classroom. I, and, but I, I think at, at the end of the day, I, I always see the role through the lens of a teacher. You have to, right? If you're in education, you you never lose. I think that core uh, of who you are as a teacher. If, if you do, I think uh, you kind of lose focus. So, what was the biggest change you had to make when you went from the frontline teaching to an administrative post? I, I think with, uh, with with everything, it's just a little bit about scale, right? So, uh, I think as a, as a teacher. My focus was on the 25, 28, 30, however many students that were in front of me at, uh, at that time. And, and I think as you move into an administrative position, the, the scale is just a, a little bit different. And I think you also have to really frame your work more through like adult theories of learning and mm -hmm. that uh, as, as an administrator, as a principal, as a superintendent, uh, I don't do the frontline work and I, and I can't do the frontline work. It, it's too big of a district to think of it that way. So uh, you, you have, have to kind of reshape the work to think about how you align all of the adults in the system to do their very best work, you know, with the kids that are in front of them. So it's, it's scale, right? It's just mm -hmm. scale. But at the end of the day, uh, 
in in a school system. Somebody talking about this the other day that uh, there are millions of interactions that happen every day in schools between adults and uh, and students, right at whatever age and. Uh, I think if you really want to do a good job in, in, in school, the, the, really the formula is simple. Those, those, uh, interactions have to be positive. They have Mm -hmm. to be productive. And if you can kind of align the arrows in the organization so that those adult student interactions every day are positive or productful and are productive and, uh, inspiring, then you, you have a school system that does good things. Mm What, the, what does the school do to think about going from the experience in the classroom, which, which can maybe have a tendency to be more theoretical just by nature to applying those, applying what's discussed in the classroom out into the, out into the real world? Yeah. So you asking like from the lens of what does that look like for a student? Yeah. Yeah. Or does it, does the school, or does the school even, or does the school maybe think about that as beyond the charter of the, of the school that maybe the foundation of the school of the school experience would be to learn how to learn and build a, build a broad base. And then you go on to the next, maybe you just go on to the next phase. Um, so to answer that by saying, I think uh, there is this progression as you move across levels in the, in the system. So um, we're fortunate in, in Illinois, uh, not all school districts are actually K-12 school districts. Uh, Illinois ha- has a lot of what they call dual districts. So some districts that are kindergarten through eighth grade, and then some districts that are only high school. <clears throat> I actually think it's a tremendous benefit for our community that we're a K-12 system and that we get to think about that progression all the way across, mm-hmm. right? The development for for students. So. Um, Early childhood into elementary school, it really is about building those foundational experiences. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's both, you know, academic, helping kids develop good, solid core uh, instructional competencies in reading and in math and starting to, to learn how to think about science and social studies and civics, but also learning how to, to communicate with, uh, with, with other students, other adults learning how to collaborate and work together around more complex problems, learning how to be resilient, right. And, and learning, right. So that you, you, you work on those foundational pieces. I think as kids then get older, kind of move into middle school, there's still that kind of, kind of core focus, but you start to, to broaden the application of the learning and the project. And then certainly as you move into to high school, then the focus really becomes thinking ahead and thinking about application of learning to whatever student wants to do, right? I mean, a school ultimately leads, we hope, to a productive job or career opportunity for, um, for, for students. And I think we are continuing to play an increasingly larger role in helping kids think about that experience while they're in school, in high school with us. So that's interesting. We have, we run a, we've run a, I, what I think is a robust internship program for quite a little, quite a little while. Uh, actually 
uh, in full disclosure, on our internship page, we do have the logos of Longfellow Elementary and Franklin <laughs> Middle School as former interns of ours. Now, those are my children, so that 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 yeah. that, that might be that might be not a good example. It still counts. It does. In my it book, totally it does counts. still count, Vicky. Totally I, I agree. But this this summer. We had our first non-family member, non-college student intern, so a high school student, and she was remarkably impressive. I was, I was a little, I was a little concerned going into it that maybe as a high school student, uh, she wasn't going to be ready for the, for the, for the internship experience. That was absolutely not the, not the case. And in mm-hmm. some th- projects, she actually outshone. Mm-hmm. That's a word. That is uh, the uh, her college, her college peers. So is the are, is the is the district thinking about uh, connecting students? Yeah, yeah, we we are. So uh, big initiative over last couple of years and just continuing to expand is uh, what we would call a pathways career pathways uh, initiative, and and so. Um, if you think about the Career Pathways Initiative, uh, think about a student in eighth grade, right? That that's uh, getting ready to transition to the the high school experience, and so that that pathways opportunity starts really in eighth grade, um, where a student really starts to think about what do I want to to do, right? What kinds of of jobs, and you don't necessarily think specific by the job because the reality is, <laughs> a student in eighth grade, the job that they may have probably mm-hmm. even invented yet. Right. But you can think about sectors of of jobs, right? Am I interested in uh, in health services? Am I interested in engineering? Am I interested in like health and human services or government work? You know, you name the the pathways. Am I interested in teaching and education? Uh, and so, so they do an assessment to really figure out what their interests might be. Um, and then they start to think about the four years of high school where through a lens of how can I design a series of courses that gives me an opportunity to explore that area of interest to either affirm, yep, that's what I want to do, or, or probably at times even more important to realize, no, that's not what I right. want to do. Right. right. By and, process of elimination. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And the best time to make that pivot is in mm-hmm. high school. Absolutely. Right? Before you start paying a college tuition brain or, surgery. or a trade school <laughs> tuition or whatever you're going to do, right? Like figure it out while it's free and, yeah. and you still have that, that chance, right? So, so it's aligning uh, courses. It's uh, aligning some of the extracurricular opportunities. Uh, aligning. Actually, I was talking to to one of our high schools the other day, and and I think probably our biggest club at the high school is is actually a service club. Right. Mm. Amazing interest that students have in service to the community, but you know, even that beyond just the spirit of understanding what it means or looks like to give back you can align those opportunities to, you know, kind of what that, that career interest uh, is. And, and then ultimately uh, we really want to work to give kids that like industry or career based experience, whether that's as simple as a shadowing day, right. Out Mm -hmm. in a, uh, or, or an, an internship, right. Uh, Experience that can run a little longer. Maybe one quick story. We actually just saw a, a video the other day. We had a young man, that uh, was interested in engineering, 
um, through one of uh, our our local, uh, uh, I think it was through a, a local organization that's really focused on this work, got connected to uh, a, an engineering firm that does uh, a lot in aerospace engineering. Young man spent the summer there. Uh, same experience, I think you described with your summer intern, right? Listening to the CEO describe this experience, he said that young man kind of transformed the culture of this office, just brought <laughs> oh a different gosh. light in. And then the student really uh, you know, had an opportunity to say, hey, I knew I wanted to go into engineering. I didn't know what, but I came out of this experience now understanding this is the type of engineering I want to go into. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, that young man is uh, leaving high school with, you know, an, an absolute leg up over, you know, a lot of the students he's going to going to interact with in college, no doubt That's about so it. That's so exciting. Well, for us, the energy, the energy of the young people in the internship program is a massive uh, contributor to the, to the experience for, for us, that, mm-hmm. they're, that they're contributing to the I think that maybe the, uh, the, the, role, uh, the role of creativity and experimentation, and it's okay to not have your life figured out by the time you're 11 years old, and, and it's okay to go to go try different things and learn that that's not what I, that's not what I want to do. I think that, I think the the power of that, I feel like has maybe been a little overshadowed in the, in the life is perfect world of I'll just pin it on social media. Mm-hmm. So, but, but encouraging people as you, to, to me, the way that you put it when it's free mm-hmm. to, to, to kind of narrow the focus, I think is mm-hmm. fabulous. I should mention actually another part of that whole pathway experience as well that we've really worked hard and and so back to I think the way you open the the podcast thinking about value add to the community another part of that as well is giving kids exposure to early college opportunities while they're uh, in high school so uh, we've been expanding some of what we call our dual credit classes inside of the high school. So that is a college level class that you're taking taught inside of our high school that you're getting actual college credit uh, for. And and so imagine a potential experience where a student can graduate high school and, and perhaps have a semester or full year of college transcripted uh, credit. And again, that just opens opportunities, right? For, mm-hmm. for, for kids to, then go to college, perhaps explore or experiment uh, a little bit more than you could if you're not going, you know, with, uh, with that kind of leg up. So yeah. What of, about the non-college alignment. kids? I know there seems yep. to be more of a, almost a pendulum swing going back towards the trades. Can you share with us about your, um, about our district's focus on that? Yeah. So, um, I think two things that, that I'd, I'd highlight. One, uh, District has an amazing partnership uh, with uh, a, a facility called Technology Center of DuPage. So Technology Center of DuPage uh, is a countywide uh, cooperative. They've got some phenomenal uh, programs, industry credentialed programs. So um, students can learn to be a, a certified nursing assistant. They've got uh, some automotive uh, programs. They have a welding program. Uh, they've got an electrical plumbing uh, program. Uh, they have some video game design uh, programs. And, and so uh, every year, uh, 
Um, we have students from both uh, Wheaton North, Wheaton Warrenville South that take classes through Technology Center of DuPage. They go for a portion of uh, of their day. But um, what what is really, I think, unique and exciting about uh, the the programs at TCD is that students come out with what's called an industry credential. So mm-hmm. it's like, like a college degree in a specific field that, and it gives you a launch. They've got a great culinary program mm-hmm. uh, at, uh, at TCD, just uh, um, really neat opportunities for students to, you know, explore interest. I, I, I think though, uh, and I've shared this, uh, you know, often. So I think we used to think about students on sort of, tracks, right? Like different tracks or paths, right? So there's a, there's a path that takes you to college or a path that takes you to a trade school or an experience or a path that takes you to the military. And, and actually what uh, we see now is that the foundational learning and skills that kids need, it's the same Mm -hmm. regardless of where you're going, right? Mm -hmm. Like you need to read at the same level to be successful in a college class as you do to be successful in a a trade program, like the, the level of learning isn't any different. Right. So, um, I I think, you know, there are still very clear opportunities and paths that can lead to really meaningful employment, but where we've had to think different is about the preparation kids need for either of those opportunities. And, and like, it has to be the same, right. They have to have this really good sound educational experience, certainly up through elementary and middle school, up into to high school to be ready for, for any of those same actually in the military right there. I think there's been some studies done that the, the level of reading requirement to be successful as you navigate through the military, absolutely no different than, you know, what, what you need to you know, pass a, a, a college class and, you know, an entry-level English class in right. college. Right. One of the things that I wanted to say, and I know you're very modest about this, Dr. Schuler, uh, you and your team, but you all navigated COVID as heroes. I, I The healthcare heroes and the, um, the school heroes, I think, will go down in history as our, you know, the, the examples you set for us in keeping the children and young people educated without, you know, bringing back all of the pain. Cause I know it had to be <laughs> painful as well, but what, what do you think, um, how, how did you all navigate that? So I'm going to say beautifully and, and successfully, uh, when I know that there was so much uncertainty and I, I, um, have been saying that for two years. So thank you, first of all, for that and all you did I appreciate for our community and our, our kids. Thank you. Yeah. And, I, actually, and our students, the I, teachers too. I don't, at this point, I don't reflect on it, thinking of it in a, in a negative light. I mean, it was, it was a challenging oh, set of circumstances, no, no doubt, for you. But, but probably one of the things that, that I will look back on and, and probably be most proud of kind mm-hmm. of at the the end of, you know, time doing this job is, is that, uh, I, I do think, you know, we, we had to, to some degree, you know, it was kind of like, uh, pivoting a cruise ship in a canal, right? Yeah. Like, like, like school systems had a lot of 
history and a lot that went into the design of what we were doing that was really successful. And, and you just had to kind of overnight hit the pause button on that and say, let's, let's redesign, you know, this, uh, this operation. You so, had to reinvent it. And I know that the, the first day that when, when I knew the pandemic was real was when I read on my phone that the schools were closing and it was like a whole different game. So uh, you led us in many ways. I think the schools were the leaders in pivoting and changing and adapting. So, so my uh, favorite uh, author, gentleman who who I read a lot or listen to a lot of a lot of podcasts from uh, Patrick Lencioni mm-hmm. does a lot of work in organizational culture and and design and and really kind of two things that I take from a lot of what I, what I read from him that I'll use to, to really answer your question, right? There are actually two pretty simple variables to being successful in an organization, right? One, you hire good people and two, you bring clarity around the work, right? So, you know, we, we have a a system that has 2000 employees spread across 20 schools, 20 sites. Uh, and so it's, it's a big operation, but, but if you can get the right people in the system and then bring some clarity and focus to the work that they're doing, you can accomplish, I think, anything in a, hmm. an organization. And, and that applied in that, that pandemic experience. So one, um, I had really phenomenal people that worked on our team. And, hmm. and so um, we just, uh, immediately from the get go, right. Everybody from, from our administrative team to our student support, uh, team, our, our, our mental health, our health services teams, right. Anybody that was a, a kind of a lead in any of those departments, um, from, from the get go, we just came together and mm-hmm. said, so. Uh, this is what we're all about. We we, we got to go right, mm-hmm. and and there can be no boulder, no barrier that is so big that we can't get around it. So we know <laughs> what we need to do, uh, and we just need to keep working. And if we run into a little bit of a barrier, then let's find a way around that and and just kind of keep the the arrows aligned. And so I think really early you know, the, the kind of the outcome or the focus shifted a little bit, right. To making sure that obviously we're keeping kids safe, that we're keeping them fed, that we were giving them access to resources and and learning. And then after we navigated through the initial phases, then the attention really shifted to how are we going to make you know, these schools operate and, mm-hmm. the delivery uh, and, of and the run academic and deliver, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Services, and, yeah. But, but it, it never wavered, right? So I think, you know, we, we had a focus and, and just kept, you know, kept working, you know, toward that, that focus. But, but again, it was the people, right? It really was. It, we had, uh, had an amazing, you know, group of, of individuals. I, I tell the story uh, often that, you know, again, all, all levels. So, you know, the, the two individuals that, uh, represent, uh, our employees, you know, through our two major associations or, or unions, same thing, right. They, they came into the fold. So as, uh, things were 
starting to move and and we were seeing and learning more about the the pandemic you know talked to our uh, our union presidents and just said hey i don't really know what this is all about but i know we're going to have to work together really closely to make sure that we're aligned and how we're serving kids and serving adults in the organization and serving our community so you know i, I need you to move in you know, to the office next door to me, just so wow. that we have easy access to each other wow. And, wow. and we can, we can make decisions yeah. really, really quickly to, you know, to, to align. And I, I, again, I think that was extremely helpful in how quickly we got kids back into school buildings, yeah. how we kept them, you know, in school buildings. And, you know, certainly now it's delayed a little bit, but I think they're, uh, there are some studies that are really starting to come out now that are measuring impact of mm-hmm. what the pandemic did on on school systems down to the individual district level, and and so I will uh, brag for for just a minute. Our results were phenomenal, right? I, I think a couple of our uh, chambers of commerce have shared those uh, some of those results with me, and and really from a learning perspective, uh, actually in a few of those key studies. Uh, it, it wasn't just that kids didn't have learning loss. They actually had learning gains mm-hmm. coming out of the, the pandemic wow. in District 200. And um, again, that, that wasn't me. That was, you know, our, our teachers and our staff that were working with the, the, the kids. But the things that really made that happen, it was, it was time in school, mm-hmm. kind of alignment of, you know, those resources. Those are some of the big variables. You can brag here. This this podcast <laughs> is designed for bragging, isn't it? It is. It bragging is. Bragging and tagging. Yeah. And, we, mm-hmm. and we've got dirt on all of our guests, just in case <laughs> yeah. the pendulum swings a little too far. We'll, we'll, we'll knock you down a few notches. So whose idea was it to physically locate next to each other? I think that's, I I'm think that's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So it was, uh, uh, again, it, w- it was was proximity, right? I just i I knew that anybody that needed to be a part of the initial decision making on what we were going to do to rethink or transform the system had had to be there. I mean, had we had to table. be physically mm-hmm. present and you know uh, around each other, and and then you know even even after you know kind of some of the initial you know shutdowns, we were were largely virtually you know, together and, and present. I mean, we still had a, had a handful of staff that were on site cause we were feeding kids. We were giving out technology. We were making sure that, that folks had resources. And so, you know, as long as we were delivering any core aspect of our service, you know, s- certainly I was going to be on site and, and, you know, we had some core staff that were going to be on site. So you mentioned feeding the children. That was the other thing that literally brought me to tears was reading about the, the food drives and the, the drive bys for families. I think there's a misperception that Wheaton is all affluent, all, you know, all one type of p- person. Can you share with us a little bit about the diversity of your students, our students, yeah, yeah. and and how you responded to those in need who literally it was food. They needed food. Yeah. So um, uh, within the education system, uh, there uh, there is a, uh, a kind of a determined metric, right, that uh, indicates if a family qualifies for what they call free or reduced uh, fees or free or reduced uh, lunch. So District 200, actually, this year, we just crossed the 30% threshold. So 30% of the 
uh, almost 12,000 students in the, in the district uh, do qualify for, uh, for support, meaning there's some financial need uh, within the, the family. When you say in the educational system, is that a metric that's national? Yeah. National? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that, that is, that's national kind of close reach state works to kind of establish that, uh, that threshold of family income that will qualify, mm-hmm. uh, a, a student, uh, for, but, uh, so again, that, that's been, that's, that's increased certainly, uh, uh, language diversity, mm-hmm. uh, very significant in the, in the district. I think, uh, there are over 60 languages spoken, which is a shocking statistic. Yeah. I think for, again, there's a, I think a misperception of Wheaton. Yeah as not having that diversity. So do those metrics go all the way up to the Department of Education mm-hmm. nationally? That, that's, yeah, that's, th- this is also a topic that was mm-hmm. new to me a- mm-hmm. about how much food and addressing hunger issues were, right. part, were, were part of yep. the education mandate. I didn't know until just now that that, that was something that comes all the way from the, the federal government. The we have 60 languages represented. We have uh, about 1,300 uh, students uh, who uh, whose English is not their first language, mm-hmm. and so uh, those thirteen hundred students are both uh, acquiring uh, English, acquiring language, and obviously simultaneously, you know, learning within the the um, the content progressions right, right. in the uh, in the district. So yeah, it's it, district two hundred is, is diverse, and diversity is an asset in the district. Make make no. Uh, mistake. I, I always talk about that experience positively because that is life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, li- life, there is, uh, there, there's an experience to uh, obviously uh, being able to work with, uh, you know, work with and learn from lots of people. And so I think that's a huge benefit to yes. the system, but that does often come as a surprise to the uh, people in the community. Yes. And uh, have you seen that change a lot during your tenure? It has slowly uh, continued to shift and, uh, and, and progress. Um, certainly coming out of the, the pandemic, we've definitely seen a little bit of a spike in, uh, in some of our free and reduced uh, count. Uh, and, and we've seen, uh, kind of a slow, you know, shift overall in, uh, in our demographic in the district. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for the work that you did, um, keeping everybody going. Appreciate that. No, it's been, uh, uh, it was good. And, and it was, uh, really, a, a nice validation as we moved out of, you know, the, the altered years of the, the pandemic experience to, to see that val- validation of the work, mm-hmm. right. That, uh, was, was done. You know, I think we knew it, but ni- nice to see it validated. Do you feel like you're in a new normal now that you've, you took lessons from the pandemic that you can now apply to learning that were sort of unexpected surprises? I don't know. If, uh, silver linings is really the right because the pandemic was so tragic, but there were learnings I know in business that a lot of businesses learned how to be more resilient. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I guess uh, I tried to avoid really using the term the the new normal because I think one of the things that we did learn and realize uh, in the, the the pandemic was you you can do things can do things different mm-hmm. and you can pivot in an organization probably a lot 
uh, quicker than you would realize that you can. I think, you know, there always is a balance, I think, as you're leading a big organization to, you know, like too much change too quickly in an mm-hmm. organization, you know, can be detrimental, right? right? In, the, in the long the, term, if it stresses mm-hmm, the system out the system. too much, yet sometimes we're a little slow to, to change because we use that sort of size of the system as an excuse. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think we learn it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. an excuse, right? Like you can pivot quickly if you need to, to pivot or move quickly. And so, so I think there's a new coming out of the pandemic. I don't know if it's a normal cause I don't know that. I guess that's probably one thing that the pandemic taught us is there's probably no such thing as a right. normal. Right. Right. There, there's true. just a reality that <laughs> right. is in front of you. And, and I think as long as you can see and accept just the reality of what's in front of you, then, you know, you align the system to, respond to that and, and you continue to move forward in a really positive way. So, uh, I think that's, that's kind of been the, the focus, but, but we learned a lot. We learned a lot. How did you stay sane during those months and years? This is the personal, yeah. uh, deep, deep <laughs> reporting, right? Deep background. Yeah. One, um, again, I relied heavily on the, the, f- the people that are around me, our team, right? You've I think we had to kind of keep, we had to keep each other, you know, sane and, and steady. I, I certainly relied on, you know, my family to kind of keep me in check. I relied on exercise a whole lot, to, you know, to, to start each day. I guess I figure if I can, I can get up and I can work out every morning and do something really difficult at the beginning of the day, then it makes everything else that's in front of you seem just a little bit easier. So tried to, to, uh, to do that. And, uh, I guess, uh, I have tried to read a little bit, focus a little bit on, you know, like some, some daily self-check exercises. Mm -hmm. So I love that organizational thinking of, of examining and and the pandemic forced force that on, mm-hmm. on, on us all. But, uh, but think, thinking periodically about what we're doing, should we be doing it that way? Or, mm-hmm. or should there be a, should there be a different, a different way to, to, to think about, think about doing something? And I'm, I'm a big fan in, in business anyway, of just from time to time, just trying something, trying something new. Mm-hmm. So not overstressing the, the organization with too much change, but go ahead and kind of get the car out on the road. Yeah. And, see what happens Shake and then things up a little yeah, and then, it, yeah. and, then it, and then adjust, adjust from there mm-hmm. more times than not. In my experience, things that you thought were, I'll speak for myself, things that I thought were, you can't touch ended up being not the case at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somewhere along the way I ran into, right. This, uh, thinking, you know, like, like breakthrough idea thinking, right. And, and, you know, the same thing, right? In a in a system, a school system, we sometimes think about things like macro level that, you know, when we change something, we have to change it for the whole system. And so that takes this really long, deliberate planning cycle. And, and, and I don't think that always has to be the case, mm-hmm. right? I think sometimes uh, you can try something, try it on a small scale, mm-hmm. uh, and then really test out, does this have the ability to scale or not? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there, 
is something to learning from failure as well. I, I was reading something the other day that, you know, actually it was me, it was a podcast I was listening to, right. That says like, uh, failure's not bad, right? Like failure's bad. If it comes from, you know, people just flat out, like applying the wrong skill set or, you know, doing something that you can look at and say, there's no way you should have done that. But, but if failure comes from, there was a really well-intentioned idea something we were trying to transform or do a little bit different and it just didn't quite work out. That's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. That's good failure. One, we should be teaching kids that that's okay to, to do as well that, you know, you're not going to be perfect. Right. And everything that uh, you, you do. So, you know, as long as you, you really put organized thought to it and, and then you take the time to reflect on and learn from what didn't go well, like that is where the most powerful learning comes from. Amen. Amen. The, the, that might be that topic, uh, I think is my favorite part of my, I'll say it's one of my favorite parts of my job. We get a, so in the work that we do, we get a chance to interact with people that the world in general would consider successful. And and they've all got different shapes and sizes. But what I've noticed in 20 something years of doing a, a common denominator is when, is when those people talk about times in their lives that Things didn't go the way that they had planned. So whether it's outright failure or just disappointment in something, in something not happened, which is the experience for us all. It's really, really interesting to watch uh, how, how people talk about that. And universally, my experience has been, as people talk about some point of disappointment or again, or again, failure, a smile starts to creep across their face. Always, always. As they, as then they talk about what door opened or what path, what path emerged. And I, you can see in their minds linking the, the, the path that they found, or the, again, the door that they opened, which led to a good outcome with the disappointment or the failure and, and, you know, almost coming to the conclusion that I couldn't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that gets celebrated enough. I, I agree. So, so what, think about that. Like, how do you teach that right in somebody? Right. Mm-hmm. right? Cause that's our challenge. With, right? Yeah. I think, well, I think it starts with talking about it, that it's okay to, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite commercials is that Michael Jordan commercial where he talks about, I failed over and over yep. and over in my life and run through the numbers. And you know, that's last line of that is that's why I succeed. Yep. But I think, but I think it can be, I think getting, putting away or putting down the whole I don't know, embarrassment, shame, whatever the, whatever the bad feelings are about, about circumstances in life when they didn't go the way that you wanted, the way that you wanted to, and just put, putting that down yep. and, and talking about it yeah. is, mm-hmm. I feel like is part of that. Gotta be part of it. It sits on an anchor. So, you know, our, our, current strategic plan in the district is, uh, is really built on this, uh, concept we call a portrait of a graduate, right? What do, what do students what do they have to leave school with to really be successful, prepared? And one of them is resiliency, the same concept, Absolutely. right? That's, it sits mm-hmm. at the, the, the heart of it is that, you know, you, you have to, you have to be willing to kind of learn from, you know, your experiences and you're not going to learn if everything is successful. Sure. Yeah. That book, Grit. Yeah. Mm, grit. Yep. Love Huge. it. Great, great Love book. It. Huge great concept. Book. Yep. All right. I've been saving this tough one. Yep. I hope you're not going to think less of me. 
I just have to ask it. Thick or thin? Thick or thin? Are we talking about pizza? We're talking oh, about yeah. pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say thin. I'm a thin. Thin crust guy. Thin crust. And do you have a favorite pizzeria in town? Yeah. So, so here's the challenge around uh, <laughs> Yeah. Be pizza. careful now. Remember, I'm with the well, chamber. No, I know. No, I know. It's No, I'm not going to talk <laughs> within town for a second, right? So uh, I grew up in St. Louis. St. Louis has an entirely different style of pizza, right, than Chicago has. And, and so, one, I grew up on St. Louis pizza, which is very thin. It's thin crust pizza, but also kind of a different uh, type of cheese that they put on top of the, uh, of the, the pizza. So, so then, you know, kind of coming up here, the, the whole kind of thick piece was, was new, right? New, uh, <laughs> new, new territory to me. I don't know that I have a favorite pizza place in town. I'm not going to alienate no, no. any of no, my no. friends or, can't. or, uh, or supporters. I'll protect but, you. Yeah. But I'm, I'm a thin. So St. Louis pizza, is that similar to New York in its thinness style? It is in its thinness. They use uh, a, a type of cheese called uh, Provel. Provel is like, it melts almost uh, to a thinner consistency, kind of like a, like a milky consistency. If you are not from St. Louis, you hate it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, I, I took my wife there for the first time to experience St. Louis pizza. She looked at it and said, what, what is this? Like, where did you bring me? Oh, she is. Yeah. She grew up in the area. She says, where did you bring me and what are we doing? But yeah. So I had about a 90 minute pizza conversation on an airplane recently coming back from Phoenix, sitting, sitting next to, sitting next to somebody. And he, I sat down and he said, so you going home or you, uh, off to, off to go see somebody else. And so I said, I'm going home. And he said, where do you live? I live in Wheaton. Long story short, he lives in Wheaton, like six blocks away from us, Get out a Brooklyn transplant. So that led into a conversation oh. around pizza, oh. which we both concluded that the whole debate about thin, thick, New, New York, York Chicago. Chicago is all a bunch of nonsense because it, for us anyway, I guess, unlike St. Louis pizza, we think it's all delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just, just I was going to say that, right? Like, let's be clear. I don't think I've really ever met a pizza I didn't like. Exactly. So, like, like these are Hence all the workouts like, every morning, like gradations of great, right? Like, so. Yeah. So I thought I did a good job in my own in review of my own intro to this when I said thank you for what it is, for all that you all that you do and shepherding. I think one of the biggest assets of the uh, of our community. Uh, now that now that I've learned even more, I didn't do a good job. I didn't even I didn't do it justice. So so thank you very much again for all that you and the team do for for taking care of the the district and 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 how it just benefits the entire community. I I appreciate that. I you know in in thanking you for that response. I will say uh, uh, of any of the validation that that a school district you know might get my absolute favor is when I hear a story right so when mm-hmm. you tell me the story of how the system impacted your family your kids and i'm and i'm I'm blessed to hear that very regularly through the the community uh that's right that's what it's all about so and on behalf of the four hundred members of the Wheaton Chamber of Commerce. We are eager to be a resource to your students um, to help them with their, their pathway, your career pathway. So let us know how we can partner with you. I know we've, 
we've had in the past career fairs. We've had our um, our leaders in the in the classroom doing talks. You know, whatever, however we can best help you with those students, let us know because um, many of our um, chamber members, like Mark Horner, understand the value of having that those young minds and and spirits and really just people looking at it a whole different way. It sounds like that's what your in, your young intern did. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Jeff Schuler, thank you, my man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining us on another edition of The Local. Help us tell the story of Whedon. Who do you want to hear from? Do you want to tell your own story? Send guest ideas to us at fairhavenwealth.com and be sure to subscribe, review, and rate us on your favorite platform. I'm Mark Horner, and I hope you'll join us next time when we cut another episode of The Local. The Local.